ready to go. Oh, we're already doing it. Fuck it, we're live. Season four, episode two, stats to matter. We're gonna recap week two of the NFL schedule, submit our predictions for week three, gonna give Coach Prime some flowers. I don't need no flowers, baby. I'm Coach Prime. Uh, and we're gonna talk a little mental health. Uh, in our cups this week, it's an Imperial Stout from Saco, Maine. Why are there numbers on the screen? What is going on? <laughs> uh, <laughs> in Sam's, our cups this week, Sam's new technology. Imperial... <laughs> don't mind, don't mind Sam. <laughs> in our cups this week, it is a barrel-aged Marzen from Virginia and a brown ale from wherever Tim. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Stats to Matter on Twitter. Yes, Twitter. I said Twitter. I'm not saying X. I'm saying Twitter. At that podcast for all things beer and sports. Find Stats to Matter wherever you get your podcasts. Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google. Tim, let's get into the show. Yeah, man. Uh, <clears throat> all right. So mine is a local brewery. Uh, no, one that really? is near and dear to me. Uh, it's a place called Brewery Legitimus. It's right down the street from, uh, right down the street from my house in uh, New Hartford, Connecticut. Um, uh, we've been going there for a while. I used to know the owner pretty well when I worked at Black Hog. We were a guest tap at that location while they were getting things up and running. So, um, they do they do make some pretty good beers, especially for being you know relatively small local shop. Um, they're always busy, which is always a great sign. They are conveniently right next door to where I take my son uh, every week for uh, what they call Ninja Class, which is uh, like a scaled down version of American Ninja Warrior. They do all kinds of cool, crazy stuff in there. So um, I kind of bounce back and forth between. You know, some some weeks I'll I'll hang out and watch, but when you need a break, uh, they always have golf going in there. So uh, right after the baby was born, it was my little taste of normalcy to go in and and sit down for about forty five minutes, enjoy beer, watch some golf, sometimes chat with the bartenders, sometimes not say a word to anybody. Uh, but very very cool little place. Um, make a lot of IPAs, make a lot of lagers, make a lot of other beers, but uh, mixing it up a little bit, kind of getting myself into the fall spirit. Uh, I, dr- I can drink stouts all year round. Um, I tend to lean more into the browns come later in the year, um, mostly because the stouts I'm drinking generally are adjunct stouts, not your traditional stouts, so they're a little sweet, you can have them, whatever. But uh, this bad boy is called Counter Surfers, it's a straight up malty brown ale. Uh, they describe it as layered, caramely and complex so um i was trying to look and see if they described on here what what it was made like what uh what that mash bill of green bill looked like but i don't see it anywhere on here so we're just gonna crack it open and, and try it out i think i did um black hog brewings granola brown once uh in one of the first few seasons that one uh holds a special place model for a couple of reasons uh, it was the first brewery I've ever worked at. Uh, it was an amazing brown ale uh, that actually won the uh, gold medal at the World Beer World. Uh, what is it? The World Beer Cup or whatever they do out in Colorado. Great American Beer Fest. It's in it's in Denver this week. It it uh yeah. it may have been, but uh, it anyway it, it won like best brown in the world, and I can attest that it is definitely up there. So this one's got some uh, some big shoes to fill, but. <clears throat> 
I don't know if they do a barrel-aged version of this. Uh, I, I know they do some barrel-aged beers. I don't think this is... I don't think they have a variant of this, but I like the label. It's, uh, I don't even know whose dog it is, but... Uh, beautiful color. Beautiful, oh, yeah. beautiful color. It's definitely smells that, like, rich, malty, almost as, as described, caramelly, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, so that is phenomenal. It's got like a like a rich taste to it that you don't often get from some of the lighter browns that you may come across out in the wild. Um, but this one is like a very full-bodied, almost got like a roasted malt. I mean, obviously that's generally where the color comes from, but you can really taste that sort of uh, roasted grain. Usually is what they use to get some of these colors out of there. Um, but you can really taste that like mildly smoky flavor with a a nice sweet I, I agree with the can it's got a nice caramel finish to it uh which is kind of what i tend to look for in some of these browns is i want a little bit of the bitterness from from the hops they use i want a little bit of that smoky flavor to kind of work its way through not quite like a porter or some of the other darker smokier beers but uh we're like jack jack's abbey makes some smoked lagers that are just over the top i i can't do that I, like a rock beer yeah that's, that's approaching like a, a scotch in some cases so not my gin this is the perfect blend and that, that that maltiness that sweetness with a little bit of that smoky flavor uh and just a touch of the bitter from the hops this is this is phenomenal i could drink a lot of these and this is like it 3.7 coming n- I mean, when I when you smell it too, like it, it instantly reminds me of like a, a bonfire, campfire. Like it's got that sort of aroma and feel to it. Um, like I'm going to be sitting, I'm I'm going to get more of these. And I'm going to be sitting in my backyard enjoying these around a fire. So I'm actually going to give this one a three nine. Oh, yeah, it was, was that not was ready really, for really that. Good. Three really, nine. really good. All right, yeah. Brown ale from North Hartford, Connecticut. From <laughs> New New Hartford, Missouri. New Hartford, New Hartford. What's wrong Bre- with Old Hartford? Brewery Legitimus. Wow. There what you if go. they what if their beers weren't? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that would be something. Okay. Um, listen, it's that time of year, Oktoberfest. It's all happening. I mean, now I think they put pumpkin beers out in like July, which I really don't uh, I'm not about. Not about <laughs> at all, Bob. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's a barrel aged Oktoberfest from uh, Bear Chase Brewing Co. out in Bluemont, Virginia. Nice, just in the beginning of the uh, Shenandoah Mountains over there. Nice little valley. Uh, it's a really good place as far as like having a, a group of people. Not really sure how I feel about the beer. Uh, so we're going to see us. As far as a barrel age, I was like, I got to grab one of these. You know, I'm a sucker for anything that's barrel age, and you probably pump the price up anyway. So um, it's a barrel age Oktoberfest, but the first six months in uh, first use apple brandy barrels. It says the, the description is going to be fresh apples and uh, oaky and multi undertones. We'll see that. All I got to say is I poured it out the uh, bottle, and there is a lot of legs still on the beer. Um, the head is not really dissolved, which I don't know. We're, we're going to see, but pretty uh, pretty clear. Almost looks like uh, some darker apple juice here. I mean, it does look uh, very refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't tell if it's the color of the video or the color of the beer, but it almost looks like it has like a strawberry hue to it. It does, and mm. Uh, mm. okay. You know, 
<sighs> there comes a time, Tim, in, in all of the podcast beers where we just we just gotta we gotta say what's on our heart, right? We just we just gotta be clear about it, okay? Mm-hmm. And this is a three one. This is watery. Uh, Oktoberfest, like I need I need there to be some substance, right? Like I need I need the I need the the oak, and I need I need a much more malt backbone on the palate, and I'm not getting that at all. Uh, this is super thin. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I'm really confused about this because the beer does have some carbonation, but it's just extremely thin, and I, I don't think I can get past that. Just just so that I understand, you're giving this beer a 3-1, which on the normal scale is like uh, average. But on my normal scale, giving everything a 3-7-5, this is half, <laughs> full, a full half point underneath. So, Man, you're 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 steering the the audience it, wrong. Is it not? Know, a, is it know, a good beer or not a good beer? It is not a good beer. It okay, is, so we'll, it's we'll, got to be like a two. Come on, <laughs> two nine, two nine, Bob. Uh, listen, <laughs> you you know sometimes when like if you've ever had someone who made like a um a barley wine and they just didn't really let it sit long enough. Uh, yeah, and it's like it's like very thin, but it's like okay. super. It's like it's, it's almost syrupy, but yeah. it's thin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's kind of what this is like. I'm I'm a little disappointed in this. I might not mm. even finish this beer. We might just have to just rock right through this podcast because I'm not sure. But I mean, my my breath already smells like apple brandy now. So All right, fair I enough. guess I'm screwed. But uh, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. So so, so Tim, my this, beer that I really liked, you just gave your beer seven points lower. Point seven. Point seven points lower. But to be honest. In your scale, yeah, I might as well give it a three points lower, you know. So let's get in, into these games. In, Sam. I don't in your scale, it should be like this a is two. the first time again. This is the first time for me, first time that I'm like, oh, you know what? I don't want to do talk about this beer. No, yeah, I'm, gonna be, you know, I, I'm sorry, I looked. Uh, I looked very distracted while you were reviewing. This is uh, <laughs> this is not an ad, but should could be an ad. Uh, shout out uh, Monster Bass. You know, you know, I like to fish, and I get uh, these little monthly. These little boxes that show up in my house, and one showed up today, so I was cracking this bad boy open. Oh, you got the uh, you got the subscription service. These are it's like dope. bespoke posts, but for fishermen. Yeah, they all they all come with these crazy stickers, which is great. And I have one go. on my uh, laptop that actually looks like the uh, Biggie Smalls photo, except it's mm-hmm. uh, a, a bass. But so these things are these things are stick. Shout out to to Monster Bass. They're they're like regional and seasonal. So it comes with everything that you should you got be using. Spice over there? Yeah, man. I got a, I got a little Carolina rig set up. We got a, uh, what are these things? We got a little crawfish. We got some some ribbed worms. A little manual that comes with to tell you how to rig them all up. We got some. Is that some, you on the front of that manual when you said here? Yeah, that. man. No, that that, that thing's gnarly. These guys are way really better gnarly. fishermen than I am. But yeah. I'm glad yeah, you man. said it. A little <laughs> crankbait. You said it. <laughs> a little crankbait. Some. Uh, some some lipless cranks, a little Tokyo rig action. We gotta, we gotta get these guys in the podcast because uh, my my son and I love opening those like things. I sit and just take a whole bunch of notes because I have no fucking idea what you're talking. About. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Tim, anyway, oh, something sorry. you do know about. Let's go. I did. Yeah, I just I just burped this thing up and I got one of these for my brother for his birthday, and uh, I have to text him back because I'm pretty sure he was super nice when he and I was like, "How was the beer?" He was like. Uh, like I think he said a couple of things, but now I'm gonna text him back and be like, "So what did you really think about the beer? Since it's past your birthday, and clearly you didn't like it, and neither did I." So and Sam uh, thought go. it was completely average. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah, average is not good, Tim. <laughs> average is not good. Okay, like we're a podcast for the people. We're not an average ass podcast. We're an above average podcast. All right, we the best. Yeah. Um, hashtag Let's Go Golfing. Uh, Tim Raiders Bills. Yeah, you picked the Raiders. You lost, buddy. What happened? Uh, Josh Allen had himself a terrific little bounce back game is what this was. Uh, in the wake of all the turnovers he had the week before, a lot of the conversation from the media and across the league was, uh, his risk for turnovers, which is, I mean, still very evident. Um, but this was kind of a good reality check as to the level he's capable of playing at, in my opinion. Um, he ended up with a 80% completion ratio and three touchdowns, and it's the fifth time in his career. It's the most anybody has ever done that in history. Uh, he's still going to take some risks with the ball. He's going to take some um, some opportunity. He's going he's gonna to make some plays that are going to give opportunities for turnovers and in the hopes to extend some drives, give his team a little life. But when he's ready and willing and patient, uh, he's capable of doing some pretty remarkable things. He was 31 of 37. He had 274 yards, which means he was super efficient because he had three touchdowns on the day. So um, I think I, I heard a stat at one point. It's He's like fourth in the league behind Mahomes, and I want to say maybe uh, it was like Aaron Rodgers or something like that in terms of that many touchdowns, that, that level of accuracy. Yeah, that level of accuracy. But um, – this one, this one also was sort of a coming out party for for James Cook with the Bills. I mean, he he had himself a, a, a game. He had 17 attempts, 123 yards, 36 more in the air. It was his first uh, career game with over 100 rushing yards. So he might have to kind of keep an eye on him and how he's supporting the team because Josh Jacobs did not have himself a game. It's the first time since like 1970 when they did the merger that the previous year's rushing champion. Uh, finished the game with negative yards. He finished with yeah. negative two. Uh, two yeah. So, not awesome. Uh, you know, there's some game playing, some some gamesmanship that probably goes into that. They were probably leaning more into James Cook because, you know, you're going to game plan for someone like Josh Jacobs. So, uh, he did, he was doing a lot of uh, sort of decoy work. He was doing a lot of, um, pass protection. So I don't suspect this is going to be something we see every single game. Uh, but I mean, nine attempts, negative two yards is not, is not a, is not a great look. So we'll have to see. Let's see how that goes. Um, they, they still got, they finally started to get Adams involved a little bit more than they did, uh, last week. Nice. So, Fantasy wise, that was that was good to see. I think everything's kind of coming together. There's a whole lot of like, is he a great quarterback? Is he a decent quarterback? A lot of nonsense that I think was just knee jerk reaction after one game. You're still going to get a couple turnovers from him. It's almost a guarantee. But I think this is more along the lines of how he will continue to develop and, and play as he moves on. Um, not as great of an outing for Jimmy G. It's uh he's coming off a, a six game winning streak. He's won for regular season games as a starter. Um, fortunately, that got snapped this week. Uh, he had a he had a iffy outing. I think he finished around like a fifty percent completion rating. So all in all, not great. Two interceptions, a lot of missed throws. 
They lost by 28 points. It's their biggest loss since 2021. So I think this was a a combination of Allen and the Bills coming out and and playing their best football. And the Raiders just not game planning well enough, not accounting for Josh Allen and his accuracy when he wants to be accurate and just shouldn't have bet. Poor game plan, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. That's... Sometimes, sometimes you make a bad pick, but that's okay because you and me both got two picks right this week. We both got one wrong. I tell you which one I didn't get right was the first one. Hawks Lions. I thought the Lions was going to take it, and Pete Carroll got the team up. Pete Carroll has won fifteen of the last sixteen. Ten a.m. Pacific start time, so the the one the one p.m. Eastern window. He always gets the team ready. I should I I should have looked at the schedule. I should be like, there's no fucking way losing that game, uh, and they didn't. It was an incredible game. Uh, Geno Smith got sacked one time. They started two rookie tackles. No pressures. The only reason that they, they they got a sack of Geno Smith is because he looked like Russell Wilson running back there on like third and 17 and then took like a, a horrendous 17-yard sack. And when that happened, they were only up by like three points. I was like, shit, here we go. I've seen this story played out a million times. It's 28 all. This is going to be terrible. Defense stuck it together. We go to OT. Seattle wins the toss. And bang, bang, boom, right down the fucking lane. Tyler Lockett, walk-off touchdown. I could not believe that it was happening. I actually could not believe it was happening. Uh, Tyler had a massive game once uh, DK went to the locker room with a little rib injury. Um, Kenneth Walker, two rushing touchdowns. Tight ends got involved. The defense, pick six. I mean, this game was back and forth. It always is with the Lions, um, but it, it doesn't make it any less of a nail-biter. That being said, I, I still stick on what I said earlier. The Lions are a playoff team, uh, and I think it's crucial Seattle won this game because when it comes to seeding further down in the season, I think this game is going to matter a lot more than people might realize. So, Matt, Brian, sorry for your team. Sorry for your loss. But, hey, I got to pick wrong. I, I supported you. So. I mean, I was, I was going to ask last week uh, after that game and then seeing this game, is Jared Goff like good again? Like it feels like he's good again. This is. Uh... I think he. I think he. He's in a. He's in a position. He's on a team where Dan Campbell wants to maximize his talent. And I, yeah. you know, Dan Campbell is a is a great motivator. He can find out how to get to people. He he has he's obviously got something going with golf. Yeah, you know? I mean, he was flirting with the record for uh, passing attempts without an interception. Um, he has six straight home games with multiple passing touchdowns, which is yeah. the longest active streak currently. Yeah, um, let's, let's give the Lions credit where it's due. Yeah. It took a pick six, fumbles, and a crazy third down stop with, with Jameer Gibbs after David Montgomery left the game for this game to be as close as it was, and the bitch still went to overtime, right? Yeah. And if Detroit gets the coin toss, who knows what happens? Yep. So. 383 consecutive passes without an interception. They fell third in line behind Rodgers, who had 402 in 2018. And they won Tom Brady, who had 399 straight in 2022. With the ripe oh, old hashtag, age hashtag, of old. Hashtag Goat Talk? Rodgers had more passes without interception than, than Brady did? No. Hashtag Goat Talk? Okay. No, who knows? <laughs> so, let, something speak, like that. Speaking... <laughs> Speaking of Tom Brady, uh, yeah. two teams that he almost played for, uh, Patriots-Dolphins, yeah. that game. I get it. He, he played for the Patriots. I know that the joke doesn't hit, but he almost, he almost played for the Dolphins. <laughs> um, man. Um, <clears throat> Can we just admit, Tim, that yeah. was a fucking first down. 
Yeah, I, I think it was the first. Was time. The first I don't think time. there was. I don't think there was enough to turn it over. And I know the lines when you're watching the broadcast aren't accurate. But if you look where I know it's there's no hash mark. It's difficult to tell in open field. Blah blah blah. But if you look at where it cut through the number three on the thirty yard line, and you see where he landed when or where that ball was when his knee was down, it was the same fucking spot. Like that. Yeah. That was. I think that was a close enough. I, I didn't see, but did they even measure it when they, when they first marked it? I didn't, I didn't see yeah, that. I think they just called there's it. There's something. For, I mean, we're in 2023, and the chain gang uses chains, and like the, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not smart enough to tell where the chain that they use measurements for actually starts and ends because there's a lot of there's chains. A, like some are wrapped in tape, and some that aren't. You know what I mean? So, there's a, there's a marker that they slide back and forth that goes on where the uh, the yardage line is on the field, so that when they put it down. Anyway, anyway, uh, yes, it was a first down, which we'll we'll get to in a second. But um, I got to hand it to the Dolphins going into this one. Uh, I knew this was their game to lose. Like they are arguably one of the best teams or at least one of the teams with the most amount of weapons you have to try to game plan for and one of the best coaches in the entire league Tua is now five and zero against bill belichick if you could give me either of the other two names i would be uh impressed but you can't so neil o'donnell is the uh, longest winning streak against <laughs> uh against bill belichick but it's the first time the patriots are off to an over to start Back in 2001, everybody knows in 2001, uh, they went on to the Super Bowl. And yeah, you this is, Super Bowl. No, this is not that team. The, defen- the defense, they might show a little similarities. The team of the guys they made up in, in 2001, it was Ty Law, Teddy Bruschi, Mike Rabel, Lawyer Malloy, uh, Richard Seymour. They had a lot of guys everyone now knows and, and appreciates as being you know superstar players. A lot of them made it into the... Patriots Hall of Fame. Uh, that defense helped carry a lot of the successes that they had. But uh, offensively, you had Troy Brown, Antoine Smith. They were behind Matt Light. And shout out to Damian Woody. Uh, that means fantastic. But uh, that body of work went on to have a lot of massive success. It's not. This is not that team. I'm not. I'm not saying it. True. But you are seeing. But you did. To be clear, if you want to. Re- hey, Jamie. Jamie, rewind. That. <laughs> yeah. You're, uh, what you're seeing is uh, little flashes and some glimmers of hope and some success in there. Like We've lost, arguably, to two of the better teams in the entire league. We had Eagles Week 1, followed by the Dolphins Week 2. That's a really tough back-to-back game. Both of those teams are expected to go on and have great success this season and in the next couple seasons. Um, but there was some stuff that that if we could clean up or have converted... Namely, that touchdown, I mean, that uh, that lateral at the end of the game should have been a, a first down. The same way, it you know, in the game against the Eagles, you had a rookie receiver not paying attention to where his feet were. If that was a veteran or if he was paying attention, both of those games get extended and you never know how they turn out. So, you know, all football games can come down to a play or two that could turn the entire look and feel of the game. I don't want to say that that's the reason we lost, but the chances were there. Turnovers, I mean, they're still killing us. Uh, this week we had more first downs, more third downs, conversions than Miami. But turnovers, again, they were the biggest factors. I mean, well, that and Raheem Mostert. Mostert? Mostert? Was all, yeah, I mean, yeah. he, was, he was all over the place. He's all averaging. Over the place. Yeah, he's, he's averaging 
5.6 yards per carry this season. He had a 43-yard breakout TD. It was just too much to try and stop him and then account for the entire receiving core. It was just you, you're trying to pick your poison, and they were just constantly stretching themselves too thin, trying to cover. They were playing three deep to try and help cut down on how many long passes could be made to try and keep Hill in some form of, of constraint, which they actually did a very good job of that game. He wasn't out burning them like he has other teams, but it ended up making holes in the front, which allowed for uh, you know long runs and, and extending of drives and things like that. And it just Mike McDaniels is in his entire approach to the game is just so different and he's so incredibly smart that I look at him as, you know, on the same skill level as some of the best quarterback some of the best coaches in the entire league. And he's gonna take advantage of whatever it is that you give him. Uh everyone's probably seen it by now where last week he saw that, you know, on the new board that they had up in that stadium, he was on camera. So he was mouthing to his team, or we're going to run the ball for the next play, five <laughs> plays. Whether or not he was doing that tongue-in-cheek, I think you know a lot of people, myself included, think that there was some gamesmanship in there because then on the other side, you have to stop and say, like, is he, is he actually doing that? Is he doing it just to play with us? So it kind of introduces that little bit of, like, well, what if type scenarios. And I think those are the little things that, I mean, the guy never looks like he's stressed out. He never looks like he's having a bad time. His interviews are, are fantastic. But Hilarious. He just so has hilarious. so many, yeah, he just has so many weapons at his disposal. And the fact that, it, once again, it came down to the wire. I've said this the last three seasons of this podcast. Miami is the team that I worry about the most. No matter how good or bad they're playing, we tend to play yeah. to whatever their level is. And in this occasion, I think we sort of rose to that occasion. Um we were able to hold him in relative check if we had curbed the turnovers or or made one stop or if they had called that a first down on that, that lateral play, which Gasecki made a, a really heads up move, understanding he wasn't gonna make it to the line. I thought that was I thought that was pretty smart. But in my opinion it should have been a first down and you never know you still had to get into the end zone. But Mac Jones is continuing to show improvement. Week after week, if you can get Stevenson more involved, if Ellie can get going, because this running game is still struggling Amazing. to get off the yeah, ground. Best. Yeah, it's still struggling to get off the ground. You get that going, and you continue to watch Jones develop with this new offense that seems to fit him really well behind O'Brien. I, I think this team has some real potential, and it's something I'm excited about. Like I'm probably going to talk about the Patriots every single week as one of my games, because I think it's worth following the progression of this team until it's not for sure if if the if the bottom falls out i'll move on and i'll, I'll replace them with another team but for now Hold it is on. a team wait a minute we got it on the pod ladies <laughs> yeah. and gentlemen he said he's gonna stop talking about the patriots it uh sucking ass let's go yeah it is it is one of those that i think uh it's a team worth following because they have the potential to make a lot of noise going into the postseason especially with some of these other teams that i'll talk about here in a second that uh Seem to be struggling this year, so hmm. we'll continue talking about them. And uh, I, I know New England's a really tough place to to be a fan. We're so spoiled that we're ready to write everybody off and fire Bill Belichick. But I'm not there. I think there's a lot of good takeaways from these games, and I think there's a lot of hope for this season so far. That was in the uh, the show notes, but I figured it was too early in the season. So, uh, speak of another team that uh, you lost to, <laughs> Vikings Eagles Thursday Night Football. Uh, Kirk Cousins, four passing touchdowns. 
probably yeah. would have had five if uh, Justin Jefferson, who had 11 catches on 13 or 14 targets for 159 yards, didn't trip at the goal line. Didn't get the ball batted out, which is a touchback. And I don't care what the internet says. Uh, it's a beautiful rule. You should not lose control of the football before you cross the plane. Okay? You just shouldn't. Seattle was known for doing that with their defense a lot of times, and that's how they stopped a lot of teams. So Jefferson should have known better. Should have really kept, you know what I mean? Like, if, if he gets stopped to the one, he gets stopped to the one, right? Um, real problem for the Vikings, though, that was exposed in this game. They cannot run the football, and they can't stop teams from running the football on them. Um, Jalen Hurts, DeAndre Swift, just did whatever they wanted. Uh, Swift had 131. Hmm. Nope, 175. Sorry. The other Smith, Devonta Smith, had 131 <laughs> receptions. Uh, it was uh, Swift and Smith, and they couldn't, they really couldn't do anything. Um, Alexander Madison, you talk about Josh Jacobs having negative yards. He had 28 yards on eight attempts. Pretty bad. Mm -hmm. um, the rookie Jordan Addison for uh, the Vikings, massive pop off, huge play. But Hawkinson, chunk gains left and right, a couple of touchdowns. I, I thought this game was I thought this game was headed to OT. I, I did. I really believe that. Uh of course we ran out of time and Kirk played relatively mistake free. Yet in the postgame show, Richard Sherman said something on the Amazon Prime broadcast that I completely agree with. That this narrative about Kirk Cousins looking like a pumpkin in primetime is not his fault. <laughs> like he <laughs> like he played an, an excellent complete game. He didn't give the ball away. Four passing touchdowns. You have 370 passing yards. What are you supposed to do? You know what I mean? At some point, the other 20 people on the football team who are out there, the other 11 on defense, the other 10 on offense, like, have to do something. And I felt bad for him. I was happy I had the pick right because I think the Eagles needed this as kind of a game to show everyone, like, look, we're not just going to thump some bad teams. Like, we can do something. Now, it was a little, little, little scared towards the end there, but... I'm very happy I got this pick correct because I think the Eagles are one of the best teams in the NFC, if not the NFL this year. Um, but the Vikings, just like the Patriots, I mean, like, they're 0-2. But I, I feel like those two losses for each of those teams don't necessarily belie that, those, that they're, the teams are garbage. They just played some extremely tough folks right out the gate. That's just what happens. You know, the, the NFL has so much emphasis on scheduling now that, like, you're going to get these games that are bangers the first, like, three, four weeks of the season. It's just going to be the way it is. Uh, <clears throat> I have the Chiefs Jaguars, and this one is sure don't you have Jets Cowboys? Huh? You have Jets Cowboys? I have Jets Cowboys. Isn't that next mm -hmm. week's game? No, no, that's Jets Jets Patriots. <laughs> ah, yeah, <laughs> I don't uh, I don't read and 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 pay attention. Um, I don't read good. <laughs> the the Jets going into this week, I found myself oddly, for some reason, pulling for Zach Wilson and hoping that he was going to do something. Uh, he's been thrust into this really uncomfortable spot where they started him too soon in his career. He should have had time to develop, and then he got benched behind. They should be superstar on that team, uh, and then they didn't do anything for him because the man... They literally built the entire uh, offense around Brett Favre, uh, not Brett Favre, 
Brett Favre <laughs> 2.0 in Aaron Rodgers, uh, who got hurt, as we all know, immediately. So then he got put back into a, a program that just wasn't designed for him. Um, I got to give him a little bit of credit. He's kind of rolled with the punches a little bit, but the man just needs like a development year or two behind somebody who can help help him understand what his strengths are, what he should and shouldn't be doing, what to look for, all that kind of stuff. Because right now, unfortunately, he just looks like a lost puppy out there sometimes. Um, and it's got to be frustrating for that team who just came into this thinking they were going to have uh, a stellar, stellar year. Uh, the man has three interceptions. He got sacked three times. He threw one touchdown. He only completed... 12 passes, so there's not a, a ton to take away. Now, to his defense, the Cowboys are arguably one of the favorites of the league this year to take the whole thing. Dak Prescott is playing at a very high level. Um, he was uh, incredibly accurate this weekend, 31 of 38, 255 yards, hit two touchdowns, no interceptions. It was uh, just clean, clear football all the way around. CeeDee Lamb showed up, and that's a name you, you hear periodically, but he literally showed out this weekend, had 143 yards. So I think you had uh, a team that's in a tough point of transition after what happened last week coming up against a team that is really hitting their stride and has the potential to do some, I mean, do this to a lot of teams. I'm not quite right. I know, I know they're supposedly all in on on Zach Wilson. There was, you know, I'm sure they're quietly shopping quarterbacks, but in the media, he's their guy. There, that's who they're rolling with. So they're either thinking one of two things: they're thinking tank mode without announcing it, or they see something in him that they can really develop. I still think he needs to be behind somebody whether it's like a jacoby Brissett who's been around the league a lot or or somebody i mean they're not going to get someone like tom brady he's just uh, he's just not coming out of retirement um but get somebody in there who could be a veteran presence they don't have to be a superstar they could be someone who can be there to help kind of give him some level of guidance if nothing else the guidance through the turmoil of what is losing uh in a environment like Jets that the in New York and in, in the Jets fan base. Um, I think you know Tony Pollard and Ceedee Lamb are going to continue to be successful behind Dak. I think this team is going to be some. It's going to be a team we're talking about. I mean, everyone gives them shit. I was even giving them shit today about being a first round bounce. I don't think that is actually and genuinely the case this year. I think they're actually a. A threat. Now, that is a two-weekend, all the teams are going to make adjustments uh, take, and I understand that we could be laughing about that eight weeks from now, that every team is like an injury away from crashing down to earth, and that, that doesn't make the Cowboys well, any different, but yeah, I, the Jets kinda, are a prime example of that. Yeah, the Jets are a prime sure. example of that, right? I mean, we saw Chubb go down this weekend. That's drastically going to change the look of the Browns. I mean, Deshaun Watson did play well, but with Chubb going down, it's a whole new look for that team because that, he was playing his ass off this weekend. Uh, and there's, I mean, there's a bunch of injuries that that happen around the league with guys getting uh, Saquon Barkley is another one of those. All of those teams are now an entirely different looking team than they were the first week and a half of the season. So same thing. 
you know, barring an injury, though, I think this is a team that we got to be paying attention to. Still pulling for the Jets a little bit. Like I said it before, I like when the Giants and the Jets and they're competitive and, and we have a competitive. I mean, I like when the Bills are competitive. I like when the Patriots are going up against top-notch talent. Makes it more interesting for me as a fan. Uh, so I'll be pulling for him. I don't know if Zach is that guy. I think he needs some development years, though. I don't know how you can do that for a number two overall pick. I just, I don't. I, I, I think don't, I don't we, I think, that. I think we've gotten so used to uh, rushing guys. I mean, it's the conversation we have every year when we mm-hmm. draft quarterbacks, yeah. and it doesn't have to be. We have that same conversation anytime a quarterback is taken in the first years. When do you start him? And I've always made the argument: let him sit behind somebody, let him develop, let him see how things are supposed to be done. A lot of the best quarterbacks that have come out of the last 20 years are guys who didn't start immediately. They looked and they watched and they learned. They filled in and blow out games or, or, or when they're way ahead or late in the season, preseason, all that kind of stuff. So a lot of these guys aren't getting, they're not getting that opportunity anymore and it's shortening their careers because people are ready to, to hang it up on them. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is someone who's always, do we, do we not get rid of him? Is he our starter? Is he not our starter? Um, he's, been playing pretty well, but I, I three or four struggling games this year, and those same conversations are going to come come back out. So I think I think we need to get back into. The, I know it's a big money game. We got to get back into developing some of these guys, and we're going to continue having quarterback turnover after turnover after turnover every couple of years. Yeah. Speaking of Jags, Chiefs Jags, mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey was back. Kadarius mm-hmm. Tony leads the team in targets and drops. Worked out for him this game. Uh, Sky Moore, if anyone dropped him after week one, <laughs> uh, guess what? He uh, popped off on your bench, so that wasn't very good. I thought that there was something to be seen there, and I thought that maybe the Jags would expose something out of Kansas City. I still, I still chose the Chiefs, and I feel good about it, and the reason why I did that is because Andy Reid and that whole team there have an encyclopedia worth of plays. And the general sense that I got from watching this game was that they, the Chiefs, did not put their 100% effort into it. <laughs> they, as the saying goes, took their foot off the gas, then put their foot back on the gas, then took their foot off the gas again. And just, it, it, the game went back and forth. And if you watched it, you were just sort of frustrated because you're like, come on, do something. Because uh, there was field goal, field goal, field goal until there was a touchdown. And you're just sort of like, all right. So the defense with Chris Jones back, you, you hold the Jags to nine points, but did you really, or did the Jags just kind of shoot themselves in the foot there? So I'm happy with the pick. It's okay. I think it, it showed for me though, that the chiefs are like, Hey, if we, if we really want to be serious this year, we have to keep our cards closer to the vest. That's the general impression I got from watching the game. So, uh, you and me this week, Timmy two a piece. So first week we started picks two all time. Um, again, you know, the rules, most aggregate picks by the end of the season. Winner gets some beer or some whiskey. None of that, none of that Van Winkle shit. I'm trying to make sure I, I have a house <laughs> over my head here in the future. So let's go to week three. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start off Colts-Ravens. I got to admit, Ravens slumping. Ravens coming back on. Odell getting injured. Game just sort of picks up. The running game is back again. I would like to believe that the Ravens have something they're going to start building here, and I think this is the week they got to do it. Um, 
I obviously think this has a lot more to do with the fact that the Colts do not have Anthony Richardson, probably, right? He's got the concussion he's dealing with. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's still on the pup list for another two weeks. Um, Deion Jackson has not really done well for their run game. And to be quite frank, nothing about that team absolutely scares me. The Ravens could use this game, sort of like what the Chiefs did last week, where they just put some stuff on film that they don't plan on using later on in the season, but that still scores them points. Todd Munkin's going to figure it out, right? And the quarterbacks and the wide receivers are going to get going. It's going to be okay in Baltimore, uh, which is why I'm going to take the Ravens with this pick. Uh, I saw that you have this one as your second game, and I'm stealing it because I got to go Patriots. Uh, I got to go Patriots. Jets, I think this is an opportunity for the Patriots to really try to put a game plan together against the struggling team and really see what the team makeup is. If they come out and they struggle against a team like a Jet, like the Jets, who's, who does have a decent defense, the, that defense has kept them, uh, they kept them close in game one. Unfortunately, they went up against an unstoppable team in game two, so it's really too small of a sample size to say what this is going to look like overall. I think this is one where New England has the potential to you know, let this game get out of hand and put up a lot of points, especially if they were able to put up points and, and move the ball well against two of the better defenses in the league. Um, they got to take care of the ball. That's the number one priority. They got to keep drives alive, keep doing what they're doing, and I think this is one... That's an easy takeaway for them. Um, I'm hoping it's a competitive game and Zach figures something out here just to make it an interesting game. I don't think we're going to see that until week four, week five for the Jets when they can kind of revamp and and get all the run-throughs for, you know, basically transitioning from one skill set to another. So this one has the potential to get messy. I'm going New England. New England has a 14-game winning streak against the Jets. Uh, I... I don't see anything now that really changes my mind uh, for tomorrow. So I think we're going to slide into a 15-game streak for this one. All right. Now, since you chose that, because I was going to choose the game, um, I'm going to switch and go Falcons-Lions. Someone today, Carlos, listener to the podcast, friend of mine, said that one of the best teams in the NFL is Atlanta. And I said, "What, what what kind of shit are you smoking, my dude? No. The Falcons are 2-0 and because they have Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, and they just don't have a good quarterback. And they just keep running the ball incessantly, playing a time of possession, scoring points. No one can stop it yet. However, once a team figures out how to slow one or both of the Atlanta running backs down, I do not trust Desmond Ritter or Kyle Pitt, who has been on a milk carton for the majority of last season and to start this season. Um, I don't think that the Falcons have it. The Lions are not happy about the fact that Seattle came in there, took the game from them in front of their home team, their home crowd. Dan Campbell said as much, and I really do think that the Lions are going to thrash the ever-living shit out of the Falcons. Um, You want to win every single game that you can in the National Football League. It's very important. At the same time, though, I'm just not convinced that the Falcons have all the pieces together. I think they just... I'm not, saying, I'm not saying they got lucky. I'm saying that they executed to the level that they needed to. Um, but, I mean, the, the Packers that the, that the Falcons played last week kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit, too. So I'm not necessarily letting the Falcons run away with this one when I know that the Lions have beaten the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. 
Okay. So, no, I don't think the Falcons necessarily outright have the talent advantage over the Lions, uh, which is why I'm going to pick them for this game. Uh, I'm going to go Eagles and Bucks because I find it really interesting what Baker Mayfield is doing currently uh, down uh, in Tampa. I don't know if we're looking at kind of a fluke flash in the pan type scenario or if this is really what we can expect from this team. I mean, this weekend they had everyone out. Evans was back in the in the picture and was making some very good plays. Baker looked pretty good. He was playing some really hard-nosed football, which I think is, you know, it's it's an entirely different skill set than what they were used to over the last two years. Um, Tom Brady was not a hard-nosed, shoulder-down type guy. He was more accuracy-driven, more, you know, more technically sound. But it is making for some very entertaining football. Um, both of these teams are 2-0. and Do I think they're on the same level? No, I think the Eagles have a slight edge in terms of overall um, quality of their team. I think Jalen Hurts is by no means Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield has a lot of work to do. But surprisingly enough, if you look at the stats for both of those players, uh, you'd be surprised to know who has the most passing yards and who has the most passing touchdowns. And spoiler alert, it's not Jalen Hurts. It's Baker Mayfield. He's got 407, uh, 490 yards, which is uh, over 100 yards more than what Jalen Hurts has. And he's got three touchdowns. Jalen's two touchdowns. So, um, I mean, Mike Evans is playing like a man uh, possessed this year. He only has 12 catches on the year, but he has 237 yards so far um, and two touchdowns. So, I'm actually leaning a little upset in this one. I think this is going to be one that might catch the Eagles off guard a little bit, might expose maybe some of the oh. things we we didn't see. Um, it's probably going to be a little bit of a closer game than what we expect, but it's. I think this is going to be uh, one of the more interesting games to watch this weekend. If the if this is one of those I could coin flip and go either way. I, I do think the Eagles are the better the team, are the better team, and I'm I'm sure they're the the favorites going into this weekend. Um, I just think if if Tampa continues to ride the momentum they have, uh, they have a really good chance. And if they pull out this win against an Eagles team that's playing as well as they are, this could be another team to kind of keep your eyes on. That's going to play some updates, uh, play some upsets. I don't think they're going to go deep into the playoffs or anything like that. I'm not ready to, to jump on that ship yet, but I do think they could play some up the, some upsets and spoil some other seasons if they continue going the way that they are. And, uh, you know, despite what I've said about Baker and how I might feel about Baker, I'm glad to see him finding a system that seems to work after bouncing around as much as he has. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go bucks this weekend. We're going to, we're going to see. Pick. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. I I do like what the Bucks are are doing. I, I think it's a it's a nice turnaround for sure. Alrighty here. I for this last game, Chargers Vikings. Minnesota, zero and two. Not for lack of trying. Chargers, zero and two. Again, not for lack of trying. The cacophony, you will, if you will, 
of people who think that the Chargers are not playing up to their standards and should never have been at this point uh, is getting louder and louder by the day. And it's, it's getting difficult to sort of walk away from. Um, they, of course, they paid Justin Herbert oodles of money. Totally get it. You have a couple running backs there. You have a, a trio of wide receivers. You have a defensive genius. It should be in the in the the mold of Sean McVay from that coaching tree. That should be able to to get it done. So for whatever reason, all the ingredients are in the recipe, but you're not making muffins. No one has any idea what's going on there. On the other side, the Vikings have been scoring points out of their minds, but they're not consistent in the way that they do it. That that to me, you got two teams that are just going to come together. One's an unstoppable force. One's an immovable object, and they're just going to smash into each other. I'm going to go with the Chargers here because there are calls for Brandon Staley's job at the moment, and I think that is more of a motivating factor than the Vikings who may accept, hey, we might need to start moving on from Kirk Cousins. Just even hearing that talk about, like, well, what are the Jets going to do? Like, should they trade for Kirk Cousins? Or hearing that the, the Niners almost traded for Kirk Cousins a long time ago. I mean, Kirk has done a lot for Minnesota. It would be incredibly stupid to trade your, your franchise quarterback in the season. But NFL teams do what we think are silly things all the time. So I'm going to go Chargers here because I feel like they have more to lose. And I feel like when it comes down to it and their backs are pushed against the wall, that's what they're going to do. They're going to rise up and, and they will win the game. I think it'll be close, but I think the Vikes are going to go 0-3 here. Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> the last one, I'm going to go Steelers Raiders because this one, I think both of these teams have the ability to be uh, maybe bottom of the top tier or top of the middle tier. Uh, that middle grouping, if we separate into thirds, I think they have some potential to be kind of in the mix throughout the season. Um, there's some definite questions as to whether or not Kenny Pickett is the guy for the Raiders. Jimmy Garoppolo has had success if he can stay healthy. They're just trying to, they got to try to piece that all together. Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs finally getting involved this last weekend were good signs. Uh, well, week one and then failing in the, into week two, but getting Josh Jacobs more involved and, and having some success, I think is something they could try to build on if that can, if they can make that turnaround. Um, but this is, this is both of these teams are beat up. This is one of those where this could make or break a team later on in the season when you look back to see how you got through some of these games that should be close with some of the injuries like uh Deontay Johnson is still out, Jacoby Myers, Chandler Jones, they're both out. Um a lot of question marks for these teams injury wise and performance wise. I think if if Garoppolo can right the ship, they can get that running game going again. I think there's a lot of possibility for the Raiders to be a really good team. I have more confidence in them than I do the Steelers right now. I just don't think Pickett has what it takes yet. He's another one that I think should have had another year or so of development, but again, we're we're moving right along to, to some of these young guys. I'm going to go the Raiders in this game. I don't think Jimmy G is going to drop two in a row. Do I think they're going to go on and have 
the best record in football? No, but I, I think Jimmy G's a little better than that. And I think just getting some of these guys a little bit more involved, it's going to give this team a, 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 a better look. And I don't think Josh Jacobs is going to have two back-to-back games where he's underperforming. So, Raiders. Raiders. <laughs> I, you got to give it up for the Steelers, though. I mean, they, they, they played an incredible Monday Night Football game, all things considered. And uh, what? Franchise leader in sacks at 28 years old. Marvin Harrison in the building to watch it happen. And he's happy that the record got broken. I do think that there are some records, maybe, you know, this is for another pod, but like there are some records that are going to fall in much, much quicker timeframes than I think we're used to seeing. Because the game has sped up. The game is different now. The game prioritizes pass rush. And if you have next level talent, it's not uncommon for you to think that we're going to maximize your talent in the years that we have you here under contract. And if the scheme is right and everything kind of goes well, you could have TJ Watt, JJ Watt, (laughs) you know, types of performance, Aaron Donald types of performances where you're the defensive player of the year again and Mm. again and again. Um, So you got to give them the props where it's due. Um, Speaking of props where it's due. Yeah. Tim, did you stay up for the Colorado game this past weekend? Sure did. Sure did. I did. The entire thing. I, I went to bed. I went to bed at like, 145. I was like, oh, well. All right, 28 17. I think this is the first loss we're going to see. It's cool. Da 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 da. I wake up. I see that they went to 2 OT and Colorado walked off. Um, I think in the beginning, and I can, I can be, be confident when I say this, in the beginning, I was like, oh my God, Prime. Just all the content, all the content he was pushing, Amazon Prime, the interviews, everything like, it just seemed to be a lightning rod for controversy. Mm-hmm. And I was just sort of like, I don't think this is what the team needs, right? But there's one thing that Dion has always been. He's a, he's a master, master motivator. Um, and he knows football. And I think every single college coach that passed on him, every single college that passed on a chance for him to be their coach, I mean, is regretting it right now. Because what he's done in year one, when this is a team that, is, that only won one football game the previous year, right? Mm-hmm. A team that was national champions in the 90s. And it's been so sleepy in Boulder. He comes in there. He, he kicks up a shitstorm. He deals with the shitstorm. He doesn't run from any of the smoke. In fact, he welcomes it, right? And then they go out and thump a team that was in the national championship game last year. They go ahead and take care of another team. And then this was a team that I think, honestly, like, shouldn't have been that close. But adversity finds weird ways to kind of come up. And we got to start giving some flowers to Coach Prime. Uh, first of all, all the hubbub around him wearing sunglasses and hats and that, that coach using that stupid sound bite and saying, well, my mother raised me not to do that and you know, wear hats indoors was such a bygone era like comment. And the way that it was taken, I feel like in the media, just to pit two black men and family dynamics against each other was just lazy. It was short-sighted. Yet, Prime was genius. He said, okay, well, you don't think I should wear sunglasses aside, even though I've been doing that since, oh, I don't know, the NFL draft when I was giving press conferences and acting like I was larger than life anyways, nothing's changed because he's authentic. That's who he is. I'm going to do a brand deal and I'm going to go ahead and make sure all my team get sunglasses. So they feel like they're just like me, that everyone's taking shots at them. Make it personal, right? Mm-hmm. It, that company does $1.2 million in sales in one day, sold out, can't get those glasses anymore. 
Colorado has The Rock, Lil Wayne, Wiz Khalifa, Kawhi Leonard, a whole bunch of athletes and entertainers showing up. This is very reminiscent of the USC dominant years when Pete Carroll had like Snoop Dogg and Will Ferrell, right? There is going to be a time in this season where Colorado loses. Could be as early as this week against Oregon. I definitely think it's going to happen against USC because USC has been whooping that ass about every team they played. Yeah. And Travis Hunter leaves this game. He's their best two-way player. So you really kind of do lose one player on offense, one player on defense. But we need to give Prime a ton of flowers. Right there. He did what he did at Jackson State. And no, no, he did. He did what he did at Jackson State. He did leave. He came in. He stuck the lightning rod on the ground and said, let's, let's take your best shot. The way that he's gotten that team coached up and, and ready to believe that they're better than the teams that they're facing when on paper, most of them should never be there, is admirable. It really is. Um, even if they don't win more than three or four more games this season, I think they're bowl eligible. I think it's just the way they're going to play. Um, and I wish, the last thing I'll say about this, I wish that Prime did this last year. I wish before the Pac-12 splintered and the SEC and the Big Ten came in like vultures and tried to scoop up all these teams from all these other conferences. I wish that, that Prime had dropped in like a bomb last year and done this sort of momentum changing shift for the Pac-12 because maybe that would have changed the way TV deals were negotiated and maybe teams would not have left because they thought, there's something here. So I'm going to give him flowers. I think what he's doing for the game is incredible right now. And I, I get that it's not the way that we want it to be because he's anti-Saban. He's anti every other coach. He gives us X, Y, and Z sound bites. But I, so, I, I give the guy props. He's doing a hell of a lot of good things. So I, and, and it's probably an unpopular opinion, uh, and the exact opposite of that. Um, while it's great that he's been successful, I cannot stand the way he's gone about the development of this team and whatnot. He has taken on this me against the world mentality. Everyone is saying, all right, he's constantly in the media is feeding into it. How does it feel to be, uh, well, they asked him last week, how does it feel to be black America's team? How does it feel to be, and he's fed into it weeks before, not necessarily being black America's team, but being everyone's against us. Nobody not a single person I know going into this season was rooting against him. Everybody has been on his side, except me. And the reason for that is he took a college program, which, mind well, you... The, the Colorado State the Colorado State program wasn't really a fan of him. You well, know what I mean? but so the he came into this program, which is kids, kids playing football, trying to get some level of success, maybe some growth out of it, maybe something. And he came in and he treated it like it was an NFL team. He told players, I don't want you here. I'm going to try and make you quit. The spring roster only had 15 return scholarship players. By the time it started, there were only 10 returning scholarship players. He brought nine over. He said, some of the positions are all set because I'm bringing people with me from Jackson's. So, this yeah. isn't this isn't an he, he NFL. Took advantage of a rule that the NCAA has on its bylaws. He didn't sure, do anything that a Nick Saban or a Bill Belichick in college wouldn't have done. I don't think anybody's going to come into a program and try to force kids to quit because they're he doesn't like the makeup of their team. He wants to make room for his son to be the starting quarterback. He has connections in the NFL that are allowing 
one-on-one personalized training with the likes of Tom Brady. Like that's not something everybody's yeah. getting. Nepotism team, exists in the NFL too. This, but this isn't this isn't the NFL. We're talking about college kids playing. But it is the amount of it money is, his son is, is making. Yeah, the amount of money his son is making off his dad's name and likeness, and the fact that he's stirring up all this media. It's great for them, but it's very reminiscent of the Ball family. And anybody who says otherwise is full of shit. It's exactly what transpired there, which is why his son is coming out to with the coach's greeting, which is normally a moment for the two coaches to have your son there by you parading him in front of everybody. It just doesn't make any sense. But his approach, his entire approach to, to this, and I'm and I'm glad they're having success for the kids who are on that program and playing, good for them. I don't think they're gonna last long against actual ranked teams. The only ranked team they played was the same one that lost by like forty points in the bowl game last year. So I don't know if that one should really count as a ranked team. But to come in and force fifty kids who were previously under scholarship out of the program. You have now potentially ruined the college career of some of these kids who are there on scholarship, some trying to get education, some trying to earn their way in the NFL, and you literally blew it up. It's it's not a it's not a and let's let's say he goes on and has some early success, and then when they start playing ranked teams, it all goes to shit and he finishes with like a four and ten record or something along those lines. Now, you've blown up a program, you've ruined college careers for a lot of the players that were on that team, and for what? It's it's college. Those kids aren't make. I mean, you have name and likeness deals, sure, but they're not going to go on and make money elsewhere. A lot of them probably can no longer afford to go to college if they're not under scholarship. The ones who tried to answer the, enter the transfer portal and didn't get accepted elsewhere, like you, you came in and blew this up as if you were a GM coming into... The uh, mm-hmm. the the re- formerly Redskins, the Commanders organization. It just I don't like the approach. But then to to come in and do that, and then turn and say it's me against the world. Nobody's rooting for us. Like there's a lot of people who are asking about you know the makeup of his team and what he's doing for those kids. Nobody seems to be concerned with what he did to the college careers of 50 other players who are no longer part of the organization. So it's. It's it's and, kind of this weird double-edged sword where um, it it further, in my mind, drives the narrative that these college kids are being drastically taken advantage of, and this is an example of it. Oh, you could be, 100%. You could, you could be on a team, like, you could be playing on a team as a starter, and you change coaches, and that coach comes in and says, fuck all you guys, you're out, I'm, I'm building this. That happens, that happens in the professional leagues all the time. But it this isn't a professional. But it's not a professional league. It yes, is it a is. college. No, they're it kids. These are kids. These are eighteen, nineteen, twenty-year-old kids. The image and lightness came in. It was a professional league. No, it, because I mean, not everybody gets no because amateur. No, no, because not everybody gets name and likeness deals. I've talked about this before. All that has done is destroy the credibility of a lot of programs that didn't have the benefit of money that can be thrown in the face during the recruiting process to say, hey, you could be a starter there, or you can come to our program where we have boosters and we have managers we can connect you with who are going to get your name in front of people who are going to pay you money. All it's going to do is it's going to create this recruitment cycle where successful teams who can now generate money for their players or promise the generation of money for these players are going to continue 
sapping any sort of talent away from smaller teams that don't have those resources. Like who's going to go to Jackson State and make uh five hundred thousand dollars a year in, in name and likeness deals? Nobody. They're going to go to the next competing school now because half of them, if not more than that, are never going to make it to the NFL. They're not going to make any money. So they're going to go somewhere where they can sell a couple jerseys, sign a couple autographs, make like $80,000. Deion Sanders has done this for this program, and there's going to be money in this name and likeness deal. But what he did is he did it at the expense of of kids. And we can't not call them kids. Kids who were in this program who earn scholarships. They're 18, 19, 20, and 21 years old. They're adults. They can make adult decisions. When they when they choose to sign a contract, they can't drink beers. They can't a university that is not fully guaranteed. We're not talking about where they can sign up for the army or or have a beer, Tim. We're talking about you just called them adults to go that you're asking it's the same thing as if you ask a 17 year old what he wants to do for the rest of their life they don't know shit about anything and they're going to sign whatever they can that says oh i can go to college without having to spend eighty thousand dollars a year anybody will sign that at any point no matter who it is that you're putting it in front of any adult that doesn't make them adults no it doesn't it doesn't make them adults they're adults adults by by virtue of the fact that they're 18 they're 18 years old in america it doesn't change the fact i don't think 18 makes you an adult books and he well legally it does sure but how many (laughs) 18 years old is still a high school senior in a lot of places so that's that's well, yeah. that, that's on, not. I would not classify that as though. a freshman in high school is not someone I'm saying. That's an adult who understands how the world works. But that's, Most of them don't even know how to him. how to <laughs> fill out a fucking W two yet. Come on, they're not adults. <laughs> that's a societal issue. That's not a Deion Sanders issue. Look, my point still stands. Sometimes for a big catalyst of change to happen, you got to be willing to just go ahead and drop a grenade in the middle of the room and see what happens. And I give Prime flowers for wanting to do that. It may not be everyone's cup of tea how he's executing it. It may not be the best way that the NCAA wants it to happen. But that's no different than UNC taking the NCAA to task for not approving their transfer portal. You know, excoriating them in an open letter and saying that they don't care about mental health. Like, college football but that's, is a that's, mini version of the NFL. No, it is but a traveling circus. It is a traveling service that's filled with adults who make adult decisions, and we can't be upset when the ringleader of one such circus gets a lot of attention and the other ones don't. Like, no, it has nothing to do with who's getting attention. It's to, at what expense. Is his, everyone is saying he turned this program around. No, he retooled, he refilled the, the roster with whoever he wanted. He had literally the when pick you win of whatever one game, at the when expense. When you win one game and lose 11, and now you have three, that's, 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 that's a yeah, retool. But, but at what expense? Again, we are talking about kids at the college level who can probably no longer afford to pay for college. At the expense of what? Like what? Other than boosters and the school making more money than they already make now. Like I, I don't. What I'm struggling with is why we are so willing for a sport in college to ruin the lives or potentially ruin the lives of kids who work really hard to get scholarships so that we can then promote the success of a former NFL player who's riding off of a lot of the success of his name and is now finding success in the football in the NF uh, in the uh the NCAA world. Why are we so willing to accept the collateral damage of young adults, we'll call them young adults. If you don't want to call them kids, young Thank adults you. who are just getting their footing in the real world and who tr- who fought 
and struggled and spent their entire lives getting to the point where they are able to go to college, they are able to do what they want in college, and they're getting paid. But because we want to see someone succeed, we're willing to say, fuck it, let's burn it all down so that a team can say, I, I'm not I saying, have a winning record. I'm not like, saying I take, I take this for that. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not saying I take this for that. I'm saying that the NCAA has a lot, a lot of turds to polish, okay? Sure. They, they are by no means exempt from this, okay? In a way, okay, this, this is not a hot take. In a way, they have created this problem. They've created this wicked problem for themselves. But not just because they decided to punt NIL down the road until the Supreme Court said, psych, we're not doing anything about it, but because they have had, I would argue, a monopoly on entertainment and young talent in a proving ground in a league that could put you into the 1% of elite athletes and play to be world champions. These are things that young adults make decisions about, whether they're willing to put their body in the lines and their, their future career earnings for, for college superstardom, right? It's a choice that they make. You can be upset about the attention. Like Again, I still cringe a little bit when I see all the Prime videos because I'm like, I'm over the content, right? But I can give them flowers for the fact that like, when a lot of people are trying to make things stick, there's nothing to stick to because what, what do people always say in professional sports teams? Winning cures all. You know, I'm not saying that they deserve a 10-part miniseries like The Last Dance. Okay, They're not the 96-97 Chicago Bulls. But I do think that there is something to be said about the way that the college football landscape is right now. And whether Dion realized it needed someone to come in there and really mess things up or he saw a power vacuum and decided to make a move, like you, you, can, you can recognize that. You can say, I, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, props for his due. And you can say whatever you want about the NCAA and whatever the rulings are. They didn't put the words in the mouth that I'm coming, I'm going to make you quit to the te- the people who are on his team. <laughs> and he didn't say, I'm coming with you, my luggage. You don't, think, you don't think Nick Saban? You, uh, okay. Well, no, okay. I don't. I don't think Nick no, Saban. No, Nick Saban no, had enough. Anything. Nick Saban had enough success to draw in from an early start of his career. He didn't come from NFL stardom and moved. He worked his way up the rankings in in college football. Deion Sanders went. You don't think, you don't think hey, here's Deion my name. Here we go. No, I, I do. I do not think that he nearly put in enough time. Effort, that, but but, but to, nobody put in his mouth. I'm going to make you guys quit and I'm bringing my luggage and it's Louis Vuitton. Like it's, it's such an arrogant and pompous take to deliver to anybody. Like if I walked into a room at sure. work full of because, college because graduates that were working there, is. let's say I walked into a room of interns at work who were so excited. They spent all their time and effort. They earned a spot at my company and I walked in and I said, Hey, I'm the new boss. Fuck you guys. I'm going to make all of you quit and I'm going to backfill you with whoever I want. And I'm going to pull guys from all well, the Lewis big names to replace all you guys. Huh? Well, that's that's Lewis Litt did it in suits. That's that's fiction. So, uh it's just it's it's <laughs> such a Tim? it's such a weird take and there's such a short memory and I think if you were to look back a lot of college athletes tend to be African American African American. So if you're going to look at him and say right. You are Black America's coach. Why are we not also saying you're also potentially responsible for for ruining the dreams of some of these same African American students that were here on scholarship because you want a winning record in football that doesn't doesn't matter? Like 
you winning isn't going to get your kids more money. Well, your kid, sure. It's not going to earn the children in your or the kids or the, the athletes in your program bigger contracts or bonuses. Not all of them are going to make it to the NFL, so you can't promise them anything. Literally anything. And if yeah. you finish with a losing I did, I season, you on that one. if you finish with a losing season, then it's even worse because you literally screwed people over for nothing, for absolutely no reason. If you go on and it takes five Again, years to win the a bowl game, is on the books. It's allowable it's, to it's do. Not the, it's, it's not. It's not. There's lots of by rules. other coaches. We don't have the same conversation when we talk about rule violations in the NFL or what are perceived rule violations that aren't actually rule violations. We say no. It's well, they're allowed to up, do Tim, it. Let's, Let's talk about let's talk about nepotism in the NFL. Let's talk about nepotism. Let's talk about head coaches but, in the NFL. But we're not who give in the jobs NFL to their sons. But Doesn't we're not because we're the not NCAA in the is a feeder no, league for the for the NFL. No, it you're is. comparing it apples is. If, and if oranges. Steve Belichick and Bill Belichick were doing this shit. It would not get even remotely the same amount of. You're not even. We're not even talking about the same scenario. Pete Carroll you're talking and about, No, you're talking about coaches giving their sons coaching opportunities you're not talking about a coach coming in and ruining the careers of 50 people on their team for I would, for I literally would no return so it's they're not the same conversations coaches cut out sal- coach cuts coach coaches cut scholarship opportunities all the time all the time the only thing that prime did was he took it to a level that garnered enough support and enough backlash because <sighs> enough people from the colorado team spoke about it right but it happens all the time when people, I would love. I would love for. I would love for you to. Pull their offers. I would love to see. I would love for well, you to try tag, and find let me tag ProPublica and get them to do it. Yeah, I would love to see you find me another case where more than three people in a season lost their scholarship opportunities, and it's probably Every very time rare. Head coaching change. I'm sure it's like that. It's it's not though. Not not a single coach has ever come in and said most coaches come in and they take over the team as it is and they have folks that enter the transfer portal because they may not be a fan of them. And, and, and they have, oh, they have folks who transfer, to enter the transfer portal. And they have folks who try yeah. to transfer to come in. They're, they don't come in saying, I'm going to make you quit, and you end up with only ten of a team of hundred and twenty people to have ten people carry over the next year is fucking absurd. It's completely I'm saying, absurd. I'm not saying I'm not saying that it's not cringy. I'm not saying that it's not like the absolute right thing to say. What I am saying is that there are opportunities for students that traditionally would not have played at the University of Colorado that now are, right? That may have been relegated to playing HBCUs or or other schools. They're Division I, AAA, FBS, Mountain West, whatever the hell they are, right? And there there is something that is changing in the tide of college football away from the stalwart the top five teams that are always getting playoff contention every single year. There's a lot of changes coming in college football. Change is uneasy at times, and I'm not surprised that this is rubbing people the wrong way. I'm this just is, saying this is, I think this he is, deserves props for what he's done thus far. This is this is what I'll say on it. No, this didn't give opportunities to kids who normally hadn't. Uh, 24 players transferred from Power 5 teams. 24. 46 four-year no college than, transfers. Than, that's, Tim. And only Tim, seventeen. That is freshmen. no different since the transfer rules have changed. That's no different than than a than a, a commit to LSU who goes to Ohio State or vice versa. Joe Burrow. But that's, that's you're no talking, different than that's no, no different than Jalen Hurts going from Alabama to Boomer Sooners. It's no different. It's no different. Once no, you get what to you're that talking level, about you can, is the transfer individuals. rules are you can do whatever you no, fucking want. The problem is you're talking about 
individuals and you just said it's giving opportunities to kids who might not have or who for athletes who might not have an opportunity to play there. You can't no. discredit it. There's in total only 17 freshmen joined this team. That's it. The rest of them were transfers from Power Five. Most of them were four-year college kids. Some of them came over with Jackson State. So this wasn't like he was suddenly providing new opportunities for historically black college kids to come in and play. That's not at all what this was. This I didn't is, say he was doing all of that. This I'm is saying, I'm saying this is basically replacing Jackson State. I would I would argue that majority of the time when there's a coaching change, that coach comes in plays with the roster that's there. There's minor changes. There's probably, I would say, a handful of players that come and go. You gave great examples of one, but there has never been a turnover minor changes. at this level First enforced all, gave, or pushed by the coach. Examples. Yeah, but I don't think there's ever been a turnover at the behest of the coach as publicly and as seemingly aggressively as he's taken here. It's never, ever been done. Again, I'm not, and I'm everyone not like, that. forgot that. that that it existed, and now he's like the savior of of football. It's just, it blows my mind that it's not something being taken into consideration after all the arguing everybody has done over the last four or five years about kids or about college athletes and getting paid and whatnot. We're willing to turn a blind eye to somebody who just blew up the college careers of so many kids for that it's the sake of potentially a winning record for a team that wasn't winning anything. It just seems I just I just can't I mean, rationalize those two things. I, that's I all. I think that's I, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think we'll see eye to eye on it. Obviously. No. You know, so. like it's it's it is going to be what it is. I mean, if yeah. they win this week, great. And if they lose then I guess you're vindicated, but uh <laughs> let's finish on this episode of the Stats Red podcast. We got we got to talk about you know, I mean, it's good. It's good. We don't see eye yeah. on anything. It's fine. Um we got to talk mental health a little bit here. Um, yeah. I feel like mental health comes and goes. It's something that mm-hmm. obviously during the height of the pandemic and even during the Black Lives Matter movement, the NFL was deaf and tone deaf on in their support of it. And I think we got to talk about this because, I mean, for a Patriots player, I think he's a legend anyways in his own right. But there's the story in the media surrounding Chandler Jones right now is just very troubling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a guy who's a Super Bowl champion, um, goes to plays with the Raiders and social media, whether it's hacked, whether it's not, he's accusing the owner of the team he plays for of child molestation. He's saying he's his social media was hacked. He was saying he's posting photos of himself where he doesn't look like he's in a good place. You know, he's saying the Raiders have sent uh, crisis management teams to his house. Raiders have been pretty much mum on things. He's been a healthy scratch. Like I am not going to draw parallels and say that there's an exact link between CTE because you can't diagnose CTE until um, you know, your postmortem. Mm-hmm. I will say that if there's anything I've seen over the past couple of years where a player has a severe deviation, um, it was usually probably kept under wraps a lot more in the age of social media like we are now. And I think that like Antonio Brown's fiascos in social media, I think are setting a dangerous precedent. And and I think, you know, we have a an opportunity to speak on it and look, I there is just so much stuff that's probably going on in this young man in this in this guy's life, right? And he's a professional athlete. He's probably dealing with who knows what in the, the politics of a team, anyways. I need to see from the NFL and the NFL Players Association. I need to see some more support for NFL players' mental health. I don't need lip service. I don't need a fucking commercial where you know the players pretty much take the power for themselves and say something. I need the NFL Players Union director. I need Roger Goodell. I need. I need folks that are that are on that Park Avenue office. I need the NFL to take a stance on this. I need people to get involved. What I do not want to see is a Chandler Jones 
incident um, in which they just portray, I'll just be blunt and say it, uh, you know, uh, a black athlete who's lost their mind. I, I don't need to see that fucking narrative. I really mm-hmm. don't because it, I don't think it's based in any, in any truth. And I also don't think it's remotely helpful um, for any of the players in the NFL. Like we ask people to do violent things for our entertainment. And then we say, well, we're not really going to pay you uh, a lot for that, or we're not going to give you the, the, the type of support, or as the concussion settlement showed, we're going to grade you on different scales so that you know, you're not going to get the same sort of settlement. Like There needs to be a lot more equity in taking care of players. It doesn't need to be lip service. And my fear is, with Chandler Jones right now, that is not being taken seriously enough. Even if you look at right now, like you know, Google's top news results, it's all flashy, clickbaity headlines. Um, yeah, it's really, it's just really not helpful. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it's a lot to watch, and I mean, he he really is all over the place, and it is. I the the issue that we face now is that, like you said, it's it's we're in the area of so the era of social media. So the moment you post something bananas, the first thing that wants to happen is everyone wants to get it out to get notoriety for themselves as quickly as human possible. But some of these are really tough to argue with. Like, uh, I mean, I know you're looking at some of the same ones. Uh, I'm looking at one of the ones is I wish I could play with my brothers, but Marky Mark is holding a huge secret that only I know. Like, what? What? Uh, it's just, it's, it's sad to watch. Um, I don't know what or if the an- there is an answer to this. It's going to be something, you know, you can't restrict anybody from obviously using social media. And as long as it feels like an outlet for those who feel uh, slighted or alone, which tends to be most commonly, I think, when these things happen, he's probably feeling... Um, very alone right now and i think when you when you can't make sense of what's going on whether it's mental health related or or whatnot uh at one point he was saying my goddaughter then it was his stepdaughter and it was like all over the place so it's we really want to try and pull for the guy and root for the guy it's difficult to try to separate and and it, it's it's tough to put yourself in their shoes and say, okay, how much of this is real, how much of it isn't, when we've seen in the past too much of it um, go, come out the wrong way, right? Like uh, Brown is Antonio Brown is still out trying to recover his image, and every time he makes progress, he goes on another podcast or he posts something on social media, and it's the same thing where you're like. Dude, someone in his camp needs to help reel him in. And nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to restrict anybody. It's media grabbing attention. Like, I'm disappointed at some of these programs who uh, are continuing to post some of these screenshots and and have some of these conversations instead of not posting them. Just maybe if you got to write a story, talk about the story but then spend most of your efforts trying to bring awareness to mental health or try to, you know, reach out, offer some level of help. But man, he is, uh, is like, it's nobody is asking McDaniels these questions. Yeah. To, to mean, the level th- that they need to be asked at the press conferences, right? Oh, he's just a healthy scratch. I'm just going to do my Belichick thing. I'm just going to give the same answer again and again and again. Maybe if I ask you 15 fucking times in a row, why does one of your star players who, you decided to bring over here because you think he's valuable to the team. 
why does he not seem to be worth your valued time right now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe when you start putting those questions up there, you can start seeing, yeah. well, is there some validity to what he's saying? Or is the story in the middle here? Or is this just another example of where like someone is potentially in need of our assistance and it's falling on deaf ears? Yeah, and I think um, he's—I mean—he shot himself in the foot now because he came out and and another one saying he didn't want to play for a head coach as long as McDaniel's was the head coach, where the GM was still in place. He wanted to play for Graham Ivy, but I mean, I, <laughs> I uh, Patrick Graham. Sorry, he was, he was one of the Ivy League uh, coaches, but like he can't come out and all that stuff come out and then say, "Oh, sorry, I was hacked." Like that's that's 2009 bullshit. Like people know now when you air out your dirty laundry and when it's you and when it's not. Uh, I just think it's it's yeah. This is on his camp and the people around him not stepping in. Maybe they're trying and he's just not allowing it. I mean, it, it smacks of Kanye West who had people trying to help reel him in it, but. It, dude, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those tired narratives that it just gets put out there. Yeah, and it's unfortunate the demographic he's part of because I think uh, a lot of that stuff doesn't necessarily... I think it tends to be a lot of the black community because a lot of them are professional athletes that we're seeing pushed on uh, a lot of the social... a lot of the media sites because... That's just the most vocal. The stuff happens, I'm sure. All the, I mean, I, I see kids from my high school who go on these crazy rants, and you're like, oh, shit, this dude needs a little bit of help. And yeah. you see people offering it up. But I think the reason these become so high profile is because they are high-profile athletes. And uh, in the NFL, you know, majority of them are African-American. Um, so it, I think it tends to skew a little bit and, and it, it paints uh an incorrect picture of uh who this impacts but it does it both ways though yeah yeah and it's uh, it's just it's it's brutal it's it's definitely brutal i mean i i can only imagine in you know if you went back and dug up some of the aaron hernandez stuff like what may have come from that mm -hmm. but it just wasn't as big of a story he was really the first eye-opener when that happened that like this is this is something i mean you're no longer inflicting harm upon yourself which is how cte generally played out before that uh, with junior seau and, and and other players like that uh that was the first outburst related to external folks and that was made public i mean i'm sure it happens more often than we see because not everyone's airing it out yeah. it probably happens all the time uh, but because of the story behind uh, Aaron Hernandez, and uh, I mean, there's documentaries everywhere about it. It's become high profile enough. Everybody wants those clicks. So now each time this thing happens in the public eye, it gets pushed to the forefront of sports news. And it's unfortunate. It's, I don't know, that there's no way around it as long as social media is still in access to social media is literally like I could post a, a tweet from my watch if I really wanted to at this point. And it's, there's no answer to it. Uh, you just hope that people surround themselves. Like if I were, if I were coaching young players coming into the league, the thing I would be talking about is surround yourself by people who will take care of you. If you are no longer able to take care of yourself. And that should be something that gets pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. Cause I don't think that's happening.
I mean, the guy just signed a $51 million contract for three years. Like, he has Agreed. access to so, resources. Like, why are you not giving him... Does he, though? If, if he can't get into the, to the weight room and the facility, like, because he's been locked out. I mean, like, we saw that clip on, like, on Hard Knocks with the Jets when Jamal Adams wasn't able to get into the building. So, like, there's, what, what there's we a don't lot of questions know, that I have. Yeah, there, you know? what, we, what we don't know, though, is what we're seeing, because everyone else is so mum about it, what we don't know is what those conversations look like uh, in text message or whatnot. I'm, I don't okay. think somebody necessarily locks you out of a facility for some crazy tweets. I mean, accusing folks in charge of your organization of, you know, potential harm to children, um, yeah. especially, you know, in the sexual assault manner that they were discussing. Uh, most organizations, you would just be fired and and you wouldn't be allowed on premises like if i did that to my boss at work i wouldn't have a job tomorrow uh that's that's why i'm saying that there needs to be league or a players union like level action you know what i mean like we just can't be like oh we're at a standoff here we don't know what we're gonna do yes yes you fucking do i know the problem is we don't know if that is taking place like any hr organization in the entire world is not going to air out what the what they're doing behind closed doors to help somebody like we our organization doesn't do it like if someone in my company or on my team goes out on leave i'm not even told why they're on leave i just know that they're on leave so i can guarantee the raiders organization isn't going to have their HR department equivalency airing out the attempts they've made to try and help this. I mean, would it help their case? Maybe. Or would it look like they're trying to cover themselves? I think the narrative is so yeah. uh, is, is so difficult to follow without having all sides. Like, how do we know he isn't telling everybody I'm going to sh- come in and blow up the building? Or like, how can you do this to me? The players union and the reps that they have who have mental health advocacy groups very likely have made attempts like people were reaching out to i mean he in one of his tweets he said people were reaching out to his baby mama who has been with him for five years um that's likely an attempt to get an understanding of where he might be at mentally but those aren't necessarily the the sides of it we're hearing i hope he's getting support if he's not i mean obviously this is really tough um i don't know how you I don't know how this plays out in a way where we get the full picture and trust the full picture that we're getting or right. Is it always going to be like, are we, is the team? Cause we've seen too many times the teams try to bail themselves out. We saw with the commanders mm-hmm. and a lot of the narrative that they went when all the sexual allegations came out. So it raises a lot of doubt. What you hope is that the players union is the one driving a lot of these and they're doing whatever they can. They're just not speaking about it publicly because they're dealing with someone's health. The same way teams are cagey about releasing medical information for injuries uh, early on. I think well, this it's is, also HIPAA. Right. right and this so. falls in line with HIPAA, right? Even though it's not a physical injury, it's a mental injury. And if they've sent counselors out to them, they're not going to come out and say, yeah, we've sent counselors and it's just not working. They're not going to do that. So you, you hope there's some attempt. You just never trust we can't trust where that information is coming from anymore. So all we have is to go off of somebody who seems to be really going through right now. So this is a tough one. Yeah. I hope they, you know, I can't tell if it's calmed down. I don't, I don't follow them on social media. I, I probably won't because I don't want to feed into it. Um, but it's tough. It's really tough. And until someone from the other side comes out and kind of gives an understanding of what we're looking at, I mean, I guess we can only assume he's not he's not getting the help that he needs. 
Yeah, agreed. Uh, and that will have to do it for this episode of Stats Murder Podcast. We, we thank you all very much for listening, sharing, and subscribing to the podcast. Look, best thing though. I mean, Mr. Feeney said it. Take care of yourself, take care of each other. Peace.